once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt. You can find the podcast on Twitter as well, at Horizon RT. You can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. And be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And Matt, um, I got to say, this is my favorite part of the year, not just because next this week we're getting actual basketball games that count. You but love also, this part. I, I do. I do. Probably because I have a soft spot in my heart for uh, for student media being somebody who was one long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. We won't mention how long. But this is our. Uh, but once again this year, we are uh, we're we're holding our annual student media forum as we we've done the last few years, um, and this year does not disappoint. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Get everybody introduced. Um, I'm going to do this in no particular order because, you know, reasons. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, starting off, uh, let's go ahead and start off with uh, Robert Morris. Uh, Ethan Morrison from uh, the Colonial Century Media. Welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm Ethan Morrison. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Ethan Morrison 26 I'm the assistant sports editor at Colonial Sports Network. And, yeah, just excited to talk some hoops. All right. All right. Uh, next up, we got uh, from the Oakland Post, and I know you're, you're going to be super pleased about this. Uh, Matthew Scheidel. I think I said it right, did I? I it's pronounced Scheidel, but everyone says it that way, so uh, don't don't worry. Okay. <laughs> literally, like literally everyone. Yeah, I'm Matthew Scheidel. I'm the sports editor for the Oakland Post, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at mscheidel315. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me on. Not a problem. He had a ringing endorsement from uh, former editor Michael Pierce, too. We were talking about uh, Matthew at the last uh, exhibition game, so excited to have him on for sure. Ah, all right. All right. Uh, and then next up, uh, representing the Northerner for Northern Kentucky, uh, Brendan Connolly. Yeah, uh, I'm the assistant sports editor at Northern Kentucky's student newspaper. Uh, this is my second year there. Uh, last year, I mostly covered men's basketball, but I've expanded this year. I've covered both soccer teams, volleyball, and uh, getting ready to cover both basketball teams. So excited to be here. All right, great. And last and certainly not least, um, you know, just uh, goes to show you that student media doesn't just include newspapers. We got uh, Parker Testa from WWSU, the radio station at Wright State. Welcome, Parker. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, my name's Parker Test. I'm the sports director with WWSC 106.9 at Red State in my first year in this position. So I appreciate the invite. Hey, not a problem. Not a problem. So um, I know we asked this about the uh, the, the pro, asked this from the pros, even though all of them were basically in the arena last year. But what is it going to be like this year now with the games counting with, with you there and, and fans there? More to the point. Yeah, I can take that one. Um, but just from a personal uh, perspective, I, last year was my first year calling games, and there, you, you could have heard a pin drop at the at the Nutter Center last season. There was that, like 15 people in the arena at any given point. So uh, it'll be a new experience for sure for me, but we're excited to have fans back at the events. It just makes the atmosphere so much better. 
Yeah, kind of to piggyback off that. Um, I never really covered. I didn't cover like anything in person last year when I was a reporter. I covered everything remotely. So like this is gonna be my. I've been in the arena before now for like volleyball games. I've covered a few of them now, but I'm I'm pretty excited to be in the arena to cover some basketball because I'm sure it'll be a packed house. Yeah, I mean, I think the atmosphere is gonna be a lot different from last year, especially with no fans. It was it was a lot different. Uh, at least for me, it was my freshman year, so it was. You know, didn't really get that full experience that, you know, most most get. Um, so, you know, definitely the atmosphere is going to be a big change from last year going into this year. Well, and Robert Morris has the added, uh, you guys haven't really had fans for a uh, Horizon League game yet. So, like, that, I no, mean, for yeah. Horizon League, that's well game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's definitely going to be uh, a great experience, you know, uh, to, you know, have fans there for that uh, first Horizon League game. Nice. So... All right. So I every year I ask this question. I think I ask this question. Um, yeah. So obviously you guys are you guys are representative of, of your various student media, and I, I'm always interested in in uh, understanding how you guys got into uh, you know taking part in, in, as a member of the student media. Because uh, again, I as I said before, I've kind of I had my own little winding road on how I ended up there, but I'm always interested in hearing about kind of your backstories as to, you know, how you guys got into it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start for this one. So I wasn't really sure if like journalism, like I'm a journalism major for, for context. Um, I didn't really, wasn't really sure if this is what I wanted to do. So I took, um, I took the journalism intro to, intro to journalism class at Grand Rapids Community College, which is where I was before I transferred to Oakland. And, um, I just, and, and then I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, it, it was a class for the class. You got to write for the student newspaper and it, it, it was really an awesome experience. And from there, from then on, it just kind of, kind of evolved. And I was, ended up being the editor in chief at the, at the collegiate, which is GRCC student newspaper. I don't know if I mentioned that, but then, and then obviously I transferred to Oakland and I've, you know, now here, I started as a reporter in the winter and now here I am as a sports editor. I'm, it's, uh, I've just kind of fell in love with the field and I'm really happy to be a part of this. Why sports, Matthew? Why sports? Cause I've been a sports fan since I was probably like seven years old. You can, I can, th- I have my dad to thank for that. There you go. Yeah. Well, personally, uh, I, I, can, I can go off of that as well. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah. So I, I started at Northern Kentucky as an electronic media major. Um, I think I took one journalism class and I decided to add it as a minor. Uh, it also helped that I discovered the Northerner at uh, like the, the College of Informatics Club Fair. And uh, for the same reason as Matt, I, I got into sports just because I'm a huge sports fan. I have been my whole life. Um, I love the local teams, the Reds and the Bengals. And uh, it helps that Northern Kentucky hasn't been too bad either. Definitely not. Yeah, well, for me, I kind of fell into doing uh, sports media radio really by accident. (laughs) Um, I I met somebody in one of my classes that was a sports broadcaster with our station, and he asked me about uh, what 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 my thoughts were on potentially trying it. And I thought, yeah, well, yeah, well, that'd be fun. And then and and then I so I did, and uh, when now we sit here uh, almost a year later, and and uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Great. Yeah, um, for me, uh, I always knew I wanted to go to Robert Morris, but you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to major in. So at first, I 
went and was like, okay, I want to do business. So I, you know, went to an academic preview night and, you know, it was like, yeah, that's cool. Then I went to, you know, the communications academic preview night, you know, toward the facilities and all of that. And, you know, just fell in love with it. And then I've been a reporter my uh, first semester here and, you know, fell in love with that, fell in love with, you know, covering uh, sporting events um, and, you know, just, you know, fell in love with, you know, the field. All right. All right. So um, the first question, so the one thing I actually wanted to ask this question um, to you, Ethan. <laughs> um, first of all, appreciate the shout out in your uh, original uh, in one of your articles to us, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I guess I got to ask because um, it was with regards to our uh, our rankings mm -hmm. in our preseason rankings. So so I want to ask because I obviously if I we. You know, it was a collective effort. So, what are we missing with, with Robert Morris? What are we? What are we? Uh, I, I know they got the they got the backcourt. They got Rasheem Dunn and Michael Green. Uh, they got Khalil Spear coming back. What what else are we missing with, with that with that Robert Morris group? You know, I don't really think. I mean, you you, you discussed a lot of those added pieces, like the backcourt. They also added some key pieces in the frontcourt, like Justin Winston, like Matteo Coons, though, and some other guys along with them. Um, but, you know, also the rankings from like, I think, what is it, not, uh, 10 through 10 through 7, they they can all be up in the air. Yeah. I mean, Robert Morris played a ton of tough, uh, close games last year. I think seven were decided by six points or fewer. Um, so, you know, any of that's up for debate. And I think with the added pieces they got this year, especially in the front court, we know they were undersized last year, especially after losing Brahma. Um it's going to be a different story for them this year. And I think they'll be able to compete in a lot of games. Ethan, what do you think uh, Andy Toole, who I mean, I think very highly of as a coach, uh, truly do. What do you think Andy Toole and all Robert Morris kind of learned in their first season in the Horizon League? I, I think, you know, what they were running in the NEC was just not going to work in the Horizon League. And I think they addressed that. very. I think Andy Toole addressed that very well um, in recruiting and being able to get guys to come to the program. So I think, you know, they're going to they're going to run a bigger they're going to try to run a bigger lineup out there, um, you know, kind of try to find more success, you know, rebounding and down low. Um, that's something that they struggled with last year. So, yeah, the, I guess that that's kind of the, uh, my follow up question is terms of good. I last year was kind of an odd year specifically on the front court for you guys because you only ate you didn't get Khalil Spear until the end of December when they find when the NCAA mm -hmm. finally decided to uh you know get with the program and give everybody a give the transfers a waiver but took them forever and then then unfortunately you only had Khalil Spear and AJ Brahma for only a handful of games before AJ Brahma decided to go to the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a rough season for them. I mean, both on and off the court. I mean, they had those pauses with COVID, I think three or four times. So, you know, adding that in there definitely wasn't any help. And then, you know, with AJ Brown and all of that stuff that went down with him, you know, not traveling to the right state series and all the off the court issues there, which led to him entering the portal, I think it was just a rough season, but, you know, Khalil Spear was still a big contributor to that team. Uh, down the stretch when he was able to get in and play some of those games. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely a crazy one for them last year. Yeah. I know you guys were, I, I know you guys over at the uh, century media were all over the Khalil Spear story for most mm. of the end of the year. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, that was that was a fun time because I was like, it was like through two days before the season. I'm like, oh, he still hasn't gotten that waiver yet. And then I saw it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that you know they were finally able to give the, give all of those players that did not get waivers waivers um, because of the COVID year. Yeah. Well, that's actually yeah. It's yeah. It looks like that's the case, which is interesting because I know uh, specifically for Robert Morris, you had a couple of because not just Rasheem Dunn, but also Ferran Flavors were multiple transfers. But it looks like they're good for this year. Then yeah, I they're both otherwise. good. Yeah, they're both good. Um, I think they got them a couple months ago. So yeah, they're all good and ready to go. All right. Good to know, because you know, yeah, because I'm sure I probably would have read that had had we still been following John Rothstein, but you know, mm-hmm. I can only do but so much than to follow <laughs> John sure. Rothstein. <laughs> I can't follow John Rothstein because I got the block. Yeah, you, yes, Matt, uh, yes, Matt and, and John Parker got blocked by John Rothstein. I'm clearly not applying myself because I have not gotten the block yet. I mean, doesn't it seem fitting that, like, with the student media forum, we talk about, you know, hey, if you're going to tweet other people's stuff, like, credit them. It's not so hard, but John Rothstein apparently just blocks you for calling that out. It's weird. Yeah, we've, we, 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 we there have been a lot of discussions about that, but, <laughs> um, so, so moving forward, so, so, Nice segue into somebody else. So, um, so Matthew, I I gotta ask about the Oakland situation because obviously um, we, we've seen a, we've seen a little bit out of them, specifically out of the exhibition games. Um, I, I guess my question specifically centers around Jamal Kane. and just I, I know the games didn't these games that they played didn't count, but Jamal Kane looks like he's as good as advertised. Yeah, Greg Campy's super excited about him. He's just like a six foot seven, six foot eight. He he. I talked to him this past week. He just, just as a six foot seven, six foot eight athletic guy who who can stretch the floor. And he said even pair him with Jalen Moore. Jalen finally has someone who can like be like his wingman, so to speak. And especially with him coming from, especially with uh, Kane coming from the Big East and Marquette, he's got a lot of experience. And so I think he's going to be a impact player for this team. Matthew, did you happen to watch the exhibition? I, I don't believe you were in attendance, but did you get a chance to watch any of it? Um, I I have not, unfortunately. No, not trying to rake you over the coals. So I recommend going off of the same tangent, if you can catch... Oh, no, that you can't catch the replay. It wasn't on TV. It's a different point. Um, so going into the, the end of the first half... Uh, uh, but we, Matt, we got to clarify. This was this was their most recent exhibition against Lake Superior State. Yes. And go, so going into the end of the first half, there's about 10, 15 seconds left. Starters were on the bench and uh, Campy brought Kane and Moore off the bench for with 15 seconds on the ball. And you knew they were going to do something ridiculous. He threw one of the best alley-oops to finish out the half. Those two are going to have so much fun and we're all going to get to reap the benefit of just watching those two play together. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun year and uh, at the arena, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I know with with regards to Moore, obviously he pretty much established himself as the as the go to guy at the point for Oakland uh, last year. I mean, he was one of the he was one of the best assist guys, not just in the Horizon League, but in the country. And there is a chance, especially with you know, who they have coming into the regular se- coming into the regular season, that he he has a shot to to lead the country in assist again. How important is it to have those pieces around him, not just that, but his ability to also score, obviously. 
Yeah, it's it's incredibly important to have like all these all these pieces. Last year they they had pieces, but they're all like really young and really and really they're all really raw as players. But now they've got another year of experience. Guys like Trey Townsend and Micah Parrish, they all have another year of experience, and especially with the addition of Kane. And then they got a uh, Chris Conway who's going to get some more minutes as a kind of a big man. So like his so like especially combine all those things and Oakland is set for this year and possibly for some sustained success with all the youth that they still have. Does it matter that they're that when, when you look at the front court, they're a little undersized compared to their uh, horizon league brethren? Um, you know, that's a good question. I, I thought, I thought about that too, but like Chris Conway, six, nine, and he, he, who knows, he could still grow and be, but, and he could still grow and get a little taller. Same thing with uh, Michael Parrish, but like the thing with, the, with like Parrish and Townsend, they both have like, ridiculous wingspans are both very long and lanky players and so they can still like get those arms up and get and go get blocks and go get rebounds so i don't think it'll be as big of an issue as some people are making it out to be okay all right especially i mean of course i'm the an oakland person myself so i, I gotta <laughs> tag on that like yeah you know even with Con- conway out there has actually been serviceable you know against eastern we got to see it so that's good and then from there at some point you're gonna have a six three six four guard on either Parrish or Townsend, and that's not going to go well. So while they don't have the size advantage at like the five, the traditional five spot, they're still going to have a size advantage on the floor. And I think that's something that uh, Greg Campy is really counting on too. Yeah, absolutely. He said after I watched a press conference after the Eastern Michigan game, he said he's, he anticipates a lot of matchup problems with the team this year. So Parker, I got to ask, as I've been asking everybody affiliated with Wright State in the last month, Loud and love is gone. Does it matter? It matters to an extent, but but talking to Scott Nagy this past week, they said he said that they're incredibly happy for Loudon, but he feels that they are, they have just enough talent to replace um, Loudon. And obviously, you're not going to replace a Loudon Love, um, but they brought in two transfers. They brought in C.J. Wilborn from Milwaukee. And they brought in Riley Voss from Cornell. And we talked with with Scott Nagy this week about Riley Voss, and we saw a little bit of practice. Riley Voss is running a lot with the first team. He's a great perimeter shooter. Um, So it really comes down to who's going to be that fifth fifth guy. Um, They have Grant Basile, Trey Calvin, Tim Finke, and Tanner Holden, all four of their returning starters from last year. But it really comes down to who's going to be that replacement. And right now, it's seemingly to look like Riley Voss. So I'm glad you mentioned. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the starting five because I know we've had we've internally had a debate on, you know, who is the best player from Wright State, and it usually fluctuates between Tanner Holden and Grab Basili depending on your day. Um, when you look at those two guys, I mean, is it is it is it one being better than the other, or is it just one A and one B with them? I think it's they are both very good in their respective crafts. Grant Basile is the bigger uh, bruiser type guy. He's going to play more of the fifth spot this season rather than what we saw last year uh, with both Basile and Love being on the floor at the same time, kind of a 1A, 1B type situation last year with those two guys. But I think Tim uh, Tim Finke is going to be have a have a breakout year here with with Wright State. He's a one of, I think he I seriously believe he is one of the league's premier sharpshooters, um, and he was a transfer last year. So I think that when it comes to the question of Tanner Holden and Grant Basile, they're like a one A one B type 
type scenario, but it just depends on what you're wanting to do. If you want to, you know, use the low post and score inside, you you utilize Grant Basile. Uh, but Tanner Holden has definitely changed his game a little bit. He's going to be do more driving inside, try to get to the basket a little bit more this season, rather than kind of stick to the mid range and the perimeter like we saw last year. Now, Parker, you know these guys, you know a little bit better than than us. I'm sure you get you know you get to talk to them, you get to see some of this. Is there any chance of a um, of an issue, I guess, within the team? Because in the past, we knew it was Loud and Love's, Loud and Love's team. Everything went through Loud and Love. But is there going to be any type of battle for whose team this is? Is there any like interpersonal stuff there, or are these guys just they don't care and they just want to win at this point? Well, it's going to be a very different look because the last, you know, three or four years, it's been Loud and Love's team and we've gotten used to that, but it's going to be a different look. They're going to be more team oriented. They're not going to just try to play through one guy. Um, But as far as that, is there a person that's going to step up and take that kind of leadership mentality? It's it's something that we're I think we're just going to have to see as the season goes along. But do you think there's any egos involved or is this is this a no ego team? Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure all these guys have an ego. Um, I, I don't know if if there is a certain guy who is going to be that a, 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 a problem child, if you will. Um, but talking to Scott Nagy, I think that he's got his team pretty well under wrap. And I think that uh, we're going to see as kind of uh, as the season goes along, who's going to step up. As of right now, there is nobody that has kind of taken that you know task. So one of the things that I did, it, I, and I've mentioned this in multiple episodes, one key difference between kind of Grand Basile, what Grand Basile brings to the table and what Loud and Love brought to the table is that Grand Basile does have the ability to stretch the floor. We've seen him shoot from perimeter, specifically beyond the arc previously. Is that going to make a difference in terms of, you know, how they game plan next year, the well, the season? I think it's going to be a very different Wright State team than everybody's used to seeing. Because over the last three, four years, it's been loud and love, get the ball to loud and love down low and have him put it in from, you know, two, three feet from the basket. Um, but the difference with Grant Basile, as you said, Bob, is he is, a, is more of a stretch big. He can shoot the three ball, um, which we saw him do a little bit last year. So I think it's going to be a very different look than we've seen from this Wright State team of the past. I think they're going to do more um, outside perimeter shooting, um, based on from what I've seen. Uh, but if they need to get down and get in the low post and get dirty, they certainly have the ability to do that. Now, one other thing that I did that obviously was a signature from last year is uh, Scott Nagy was n- did not use a very large rotation. If six, seven, eight, eight was probably his limit. Um, is that do we do we anticipate him doing that again this year? I expect it'll be a very similar situation. Uh, as you said, Bob, Scott Nagy's been uh, you know, known to just use six, seven, maybe eight guys. He's l- we're lucky to get to eight. Um, but I, I think it's going to be more of a rotational look this year. I think we're going to see sim- this, you know, the same seven, eight look. Um, but it, it, unless it, it, it's very rare. I would be quite surprised if we come out as Wright State has their first home game on Tuesday night against Lake Erie. Um, I would be very surprised if we see a very, you know, a Scott Nagy that goes deep into his bench. So, Brendan, well, Northern Kentucky, we we historically have underestimated, um, but it's Northern Kentucky and it's a very good team. And it has been ever since they've, you know, it's the second year they've been in the league um, with, with especially this year. 
they, I guess, I mean, they only lost Adam Alita, but they, they definitely have brought in some new guys. And, they, and it seems to me that Darren Horn likes to use freshmen a lot, and he definitely did that last year. Do we expect him to do that this year, too? Yeah, I really do expect him to do that this year. Um, they they still have freshman of the year Marquez Warwick, but um, they also bring in Mr. Kentucky basketball and high school basketball state champion Sam Vinson from nearby Highlands High School. Uh, my editor, Matthew Dietz, was at their scrimmage against Lake Erie this past Tuesday, or Thursday, rather. And one of the things he noted is that Vinson is good enough to start uh, especially over someone the likes of Bryson Langdon, who's going to be in his senior season. Uh, one of the other freshmen I want to highlight is Hubie. Yeah. Um, which uh, Sam Vincent, he did actually start on Thursday night. So I, I plan on being at the opener on Tuesday against Wheeling. So I'm interested to see what their starting lineup's going to look like. That's interesting you say that because Bryson Langdon is no slouch himself. He's a very good player. He isn't, definitely. Um, you know, he's not the tallest on the floor. He's, I think he's 5'9", but um, he can create plays for other people. Uh, assists are more his strong suit other than scoring, but um, he's really the catalyst of that offense. What kind of uh, game does Vincent play? I know, you know, I've heard Kentucky basketball, all you know, Mr. Basketball, all this stuff, but what, what kind of game can we look for out of him? So I, I haven't seen a whole lot of Vincent outside of uh, the men's. They held a media day for their first practice season, and they had an open practice a couple of weeks ago. But uh, he looks to be a, a very aggressive player. Uh, he's a slash and score at the rim type guy, but uh, he can shoot it as well. He's he's very much multidimensional. So one of the other things I'm looking at specifically, again, with Northern Kentucky, you don't you didn't really you didn't lose a lot. And it sounds like once again, Darren Horn is bringing in some some power specifically from, you know, from his incoming freshmen. It's it has it gotten to a point and it seems like it's gotten to a point where where Darren Horn is definitely being able to attract some freshman talent that. Uh, for a lot of us, flies under the radar. It certainly did last year. It looks like it's going to do that this year, too. Yeah, really. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned the, the freshman class, and one other guy is uh, Hubie Pavorius. He's from Lithuania, but he spent two years at, uh, I believe, Christopher Columbus in Florida. And uh, I talked to assistant coach David Harris about him. He raves about how smart Hubie is. Uh, and Hubie himself talked about how the European game is, it's slower, it's more analytical. Uh, they run set plays more. So he's hes a very smart guy, especially um, off the ball. But you mentioned Darren Horn bringing in talent. Uh, they have two transfers coming in this year, Sabian Sims from North Carolina, or not North Carolina, North Dakota, and uh, Chris Brandon, who is a, an intra-conference transfer coming through Detroit Mercy. Uh, they're two really athletic guys that, uh, they're going to contribute to this team from the jump, and uh, they're they're going to add a lot. And you know, if, if the rest of the Horizon League wants to keep underestimating us, they can. But uh, I think the team is just hungry to show what they have. Hey, now, I felt <laughs> a little targeted. I understand. <laughs> so, um, so it's funny. I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned Chris Brandon. Obviously, Chris Brandon has some. It, it's interesting because. With with the transfers, the interconference transfers we've had, um, their teams they're from they're players from teams that kind of 
got where ended up on the uh, <laughs> we're in an interesting situation specifically in the conference tournament. Like for example, C.J. Wilborn transferring from Wright State uh, to, from Milwaukee to Wright State, and we know what happened in the tournament between Milwaukee and Wright State. Conversely, you have Chris Brandon who goes to uh, transfers to. Uh, from Detroit Mercy, who transfers to Northern Kentucky, and we know what happened uh, at the end of that uh, tournament game with uh, with Detroit with uh, between Northern Kentucky and Detroit Mercy. Um, I gotta ask, you know, I consider it a little bit of an irony that that these are you know they they the teams that kind of ended up the teams that the players from the teams that kind of got were on the winning end of those situations lost players to those teams they beat. Yeah, um, you mentioned that tournament game. Shout out to David Bam, Mr. Tip Drill himself. Are we gonna see more of him, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I talked to him in the preseason as well. Um, like Hubie Pavorius, um, he competed in the U20 European Championships with the Czech Republic. Um, he got to compete against some NBA roster guys. I think Tomas Sadoransky is on the Pelicans. Um, but one thing that Bam talked about was he's been in the weight room. He's gotten a lot stronger physically. Um, you know, just looking at him, you can see a difference. He's gotten bigger, but he's also working really hard on his defensive skills. Uh, he's working on his around the rim capabilities. And another thing that he mentioned was his consistency. So, uh, he averaged eight points and just under three rebounds last year. So expect those numbers to go up. So um, one last question, uh, one other question I got to ask him, specifically about Northern Kentucky, and that's that's Adrian Nelson. It seems I don't know why he seems, for at least for me, he seems to kind of get lost in the shuffle for them, and I don't know why because he's Adrian Nelson, and it, it, there's a guy who consistently who has been consistently at the top of the Horizon League in rebounds, and you know a guy who definitely crashes the boards. What what do we with, with the additions of you know with with uh, with the additions of some guys in the front court? What do we expect to see from Adrian Nelson this year? Are we going to see a lot more out of him? Uh, so Matt, to start off, I feel the same way about Adrian Nelson. I feel like he's totally just a behind the scenes guy, but somehow. He, he crashes the boards. He gets, he gets monster numbers. He gets the job done every night. Yeah. Uh, with the addition of guys like Chris Brandon and Sabian Sims, um, I, I think he definitely gets a little bit of help that aspect. But uh, we're also working on uh, – Matthew Dietz and I, we're working on our season preview package, and we're doing bold predictions. And one of the predictions that I had is that he's going to average a double-double for the season. I can see it, especially, especially from him. Um, if anybody can do it, it's that guy. Yeah, he's coming off a season where he had uh, eight and a half points and 10 rebounds per game. So uh, jumping from his junior to senior season, um, he's going to be a leader on the court vocally, but um, he's also going to contribute in a big, big way on the stat sheet. See, that's it's weird. You say that he only he said you said eight and a half points a game for Adrian Nelson. It seems so weird yeah. to me because he see because you know I seeing him over the years he's been he's clearly capable of more than eight and a half points a game we've seen it multiple times but yeah the 10 the 10 rebounds is oh definitely because we've seen him do it multiple times yeah he, he just 
yeah, he just works in silence and he gets the job done. Do you think there's enough basketball at NKU to, to get around to everybody? Is there any concern about, you know, somebody needing the ball in their hands more? You know, is, is Bryson Langdon going to be okay coming off the bench to Vincent or Vincent going to be okay coming off the bench to like, like, is there any concerns with that? Do you think, or, you know, does Darren Horn have that, uh, figured out? So I, you know, that's a good point. I think depth is going to be a concern for a lot of teams, not just in the horizon league, but around the country this year with, relatively well. Um, you know, Bryson Langdon will be Bryson Langdon. Um, you know, Sam Vincent, he's a freshman. He's coming in. Uh, I get his credentials from the past, but, um, you know, he's going to make freshman mistakes. And when you do, that's when you got to turn it back over to Bryson. Um, but I, one, one area that we're going to be really deep in, like I mentioned before, is, is down low. We have uh, Adrian Nelson. We have Chris Brandon. We have Sabian Sims. Uh, we also have Noah Hoopman, who uh, he's a local kid. He's going to be in his sophomore season. He probably won't see a whole lot of the floor just because he's he's seven feet tall, but he's he's skinny for a tall guy. But um, I think Horn will get it figured out, hopefully within the couple for the first couple games of the season, and um, we'll get it clicking and running smoothly. All right. So I. So I want to open this up to everybody now because obviously we have games that actually count this week of all of your collective uh non-conference games which is the one that you guys are looking most forward to this season i can start off um obviously i mean i think the one that i would key in on is uh the kentucky game this friday yeah uh, for robert morris um i think that's that's one of the games where i mean robert morris is gonna have a tough time a really tough time with but it's gonna be a fun game to watch nonetheless um so that's the one that I'm most excited for. And then, you know, just like some of the some of the like the game against Ohio is going to be good as well. Good, good test for them. One that, you know, they can be competitive in as well. So, you know, just some of those games. Um, they, they very... didn't, out of curiosity, you can, Kentucky didn't like schedule that just to make sure it was the uh, NIT revenge game from like a decade ago. Right. They uh, so <laughs> this is actually the third matchup now. So they had the NIT game in 2013 and then a year after they scheduled one at Rupp, um, and then, so Army got blown out in that one, and then this is the third game of that, you know, I guess you could call it series. It's interesting, yeah, so, yeah, I know we had a conversation, yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I always hearken back to that 2013 game that was, it's, but it's, it's, it was such an interesting situation that the NI, that, that, NIT game was at, at Robert Morris because of some sort of scheduling issues at Rupp, and, <laughs> Yeah, Robert Morris won that one. Right, right. That's yeah, never that going to knock it old, by the way. No, never, never. Also, probably a big sore spot for a big blue nation, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, of course, always. So, for everybody else, uh, what, which which matchups are you guys looking forward to? Well, for Oakland, there's a few, obviously, uh, towards the very end of non-conference play, Michigan State, because that's always, that's always a close game. I grew up as a Michigan State fan, and every time I saw Oakland on the schedule, I'm like, oh, that's not going to be easy. can never guarantee that. And obviously, back in 2016, they're ranked number one in the country, and O.K. Felder pops off and takes them to overtime. So it's still a sore that- spot. Come on now. Let's not oh. go down this road. Sore spot. <laughs> Thanks a lot. 
Sorry, Matt. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, that's always that's always a close game. It's never hell, even last year, Rashad goes off. Rashad Williams goes off for I think 33, 30, 33, 36. Either way, it's all that's always a close game. And then. Kind of looking through here, uh, the opener on uh, Tuesday at uh, at West Virginia. Uh, I talked when I talked to Grant Campy this week. He said specifically uh, he scheduled West Virginia to open because losing to Cleveland State last year in the Horizon League championship game, he wanted to match match up with a team that's going to have more even more physicality than Cleveland State. He wants to see that kind of physicality right out of the gate, so they know what to prepare for when they play Cleveland State in conference play. And then lastly here, I think Alabama at Alabama on November 19th is going to be a good one. Campy and uh, NATO are pretty close. Um, Alabama obviously got pretty far in the tournament last year. So I think that'll be also be a good game as well. I think the, just to chime in, because I can't not talk Oakland sometimes. I think uh, <laughs> that that West Virginia game is actually a great one to, to watch for the upset. Um, I think if Oakland's going to not be, win seven or whatever non-conference i think that's where it happens uh, it's not a great west virginia team this year and uh i think that might be the one i think it's, po- it's possible yeah i think you're right so i know all three of you have talked about uh high major teams but i'm gonna go with a mid-major to start off nku faces unc greensboro in their second game of the season on friday Okay. Yeah, UNC Greensboro, they lost Wes Miller. They lost a lot of transfers to the University of Cincinnati. Uh, but I think that's going to be an interesting test for the North, see how they get going early in the season. Uh, but the second game I have circled is a road game at Indiana. It's three days before Christmas. Uh, you know, they have first-year head coach in Mike Woodson, but they also have first-team All-American Trace Jackson Davis. And Indiana is going to be coming off their Crossroads Classic game against Notre Dame. And then they have a week break for Christmas. So um, I think that's that's an interesting one to circle on the calendar, see where both teams are in the in this season. Yeah, I, I think for Wright State, um, uh, the, a week from Tuesday night, they go to Mackey Arena and play the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, big 10 school, big basketball school there at Purdue. Matt Painter is obviously a great, fantastic coach there at Purdue. So I think it'll be a good, tough test for, for Wright State. And then, here, right before Christmas, they have to go down to Raleigh and take on NC State. So I think that playing those two bigger schools and uh, both very basketball proud schools, I think is going to be a good test for Wright State. I don't know what it is about Purdue, but Purdue is one of those games that against the mid-major, it's never even close. They, they just destroy teams. And I'm like, this is one of the best basketball teams I've ever seen. And then they get into the Big Ten and they're just like middle of the pack. But man, they just have a way of just working mid-major teams. Yeah, and I think and I think one of the ways they do that is they obviously have a great, you know, talented player there in Travion Williams. I mean, he's six foot ten forward there at Purdue. So I think how they guard Williams and how they post up defensively against Matt Painter's Boilermakers is going to be something that I'm really watching. Please don't talk about Travion Williams as a Michigan State fan. <laughs> so Ethan, which uh, which game are you looking forward to uh, for Robert Morris? Uh, yeah, um, the uh, Kentucky game um, as well. Um, you know, that's going to be a good game for them. Um, like one game that, I mean, you don't think they would win, possibly win, but it's still going to be a good test for them. Um, also, you know, some of those, you know, uh, the game against Ohio as well, uh, that's going to be a good test for them. 
Um, a game that they uh, it could be a very competitive game, one that they could uh, take. Um, and then uh, later in non-conference, Bowling Green as well. They got they lost that game last year at the UPMC Event Center. So another good game where they can you know get their feet wet and get get ready for uh, conference play up in uh, January. And I just realized I just asked you that same question yeah. twice. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you added Bowling Green then. Yeah. Uh, a little stupid. <laughs> no, you're good. All right. So obviously I, I cannot I, I cannot let you guys go without asking about Pat Baldwin Jr. <laughs> oh, I thought today was the day we were gonna do a podcast without even saying the name. I thought it was happening. Come on. No well well it's interesting because we've had uh, when you look at the Horizon League, and it's funny because when you've looked at some of these preseason predictions, it's been pretty split in terms of who People think it's going to be the player of the year. Some people say Pat Baldwin Jr. Some people say Antoine Davis. And even other player people are saying Grandpa Silly, um, which is which I find interesting. So when you look at when you look at Pat Baldwin Jr., what he brings to the table compared to everybody, uh, whatever everybody else has got going on in the conference. When you look at your respective teams and what they, how would you expect them to game plan for for not just Pat Baldwin Jr. but a Detroit Mercy team that's got Antoine Davis and has way more around him than he's ever had, a Cleveland State team that basically is going to roll twenty deep for some reason, um, or, or for some other uh, some other team we haven't didn't get an opportunity to talk about. When you go looking and more to the point. When you look at these non-conference games, how do you expect those non-conference games uh, to be used as kind of a warm-up for the conference season, where you're going to get hit with everything that you know that you may not have seen last season, but definitely going to see this season? Oh yeah, I guess I'll start. Um, you know, I think just you know. There's not a conference game, especially they're going to be so crucial um, for a team like Robert Morris, who doesn't really have a lot of experience playing together. And, you know, I mean, this is their fr- Wednesday is going to be the first time out on the court as a collective team, other than the two uh, exhibition games that they had. Um, so I think just, you know, being able to, you know, be physical against those like lar- uh, bigger teams in the non-conference schedule, like Ohio, like Kentucky, Bowling Green as well. Um, being able to compete and play hard in those games, they're going to get you ready for, in, you know, being able to match up against Patrick Baldwin Jr. and um, as well Antoine Davis as well. So just being able to use those non-conference games as you know a wake-up call for them uh, leading into conference play is going to be very crucial. And you know, just being able to you know try to neutralize what they bring to the table. Yeah, I think for Red State, they um, Scott Nagy's teams have always been very defensive minded, and he says it all the time. We we have to turn our defense into offense. Um, so I think early on, um, and Red State didn't have any exhibition games. Their first game of the year that they will play be playing together as a team is Tuesday night against Lake Erie, and this one counts. So they, they did not have any exhibition games. So. I think I think they're going to be a very defensive oriented team. They're going to pride themselves in their defense. So when it comes to players like Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Antoine Davis, uh, both of whom come to the Nutter Center this season, and I'm very excited to see both those guys play. 
I think Wright State's a smaller team uh, compared to Milwaukee. Of course, they have Baldwin Jr., who's six foot nine. They also have Moses Bull, who's seven foot one. Samba Kane, seven feet tall. St. Pierre is six foot ten. So they have Milwaukee, and when it comes to size, definitely overmatches Wright State. So it's going to be interesting to see how you know Scott Nagy's team defends these type of players, and especially against with size that they have. Yeah, it's kind of a similar thing for Oakland. We talked about how like they had they're at a size disadvantage in the front court, but like their back court's pretty lanky with Townsend and Parrish. So I think it's going to be kind of a sim- similar thing. Like how how are they going to defend these, especially with Milwaukee? Like how are they going to defend all these tall guys, and how are they going to defend Baldwin? So I think it's going to be. I'm sure Campy will have something dialed up for it, but it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. I'm personally, I got to chime in. Because again, Oakland basketball was said, so it's like you summoned a, a demon. Um, I love the idea of Jamal Kane on Patrick Baldwin Jr. because they're like the same size, same skill set, same everything. But oh. as uh, Campy has said, the difference is Pat Baldwin Jr. is 18 years old. Patrick or, uh, Kane is 22, almost 23 years old. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Interesting, interesting insight. I would. I'm. De- I'm definitely looking forward to all of that. Honestly. And I don't get. I didn't get to talk about Cleveland State today. Probably gonna have to wait for that some other time. Oh well. <laughs> anyway, um. So that's your, that's that's your the, people that didn't come through for you. You know, like that was that was their chance. Not for lack of trying. Folk. Yeah. Call. Yeah. Not for lack of trying. Uh, better luck next year. Hey Bob. Before it sounds like you're you're gonna wrap. Do you, I've got the whole schedule for the week. Do you want me yes. to run that down real quick? Run it down. Yes. Thank you. All right. I so get, this I'm, week I'm barely keeping up. What's ahead? I'm barely keeping up. It's gonna take. I'm gonna be losing my mind because I'm not sure what, what's what. <laughs> All right. So here, here we go. So here, here's Horizon League basketball this week, opening week. Um, we've got Robert Morris is at Central Florida and at Kentucky this week. Uh, the Kentucky's part of their MTE, and the other games are next week though. So, so those two. Uh, you got Wright State bringing in Lake Erie and then going to Marshall. You've got NKU bringing in Wheeling and UNC Greensboro. Uh, Oakland traveling to West Virginia, and then, you know, if that's not bad enough, then turning around and going to Oklahoma State, who's really pissed right now. I can't imagine why. That'll be fun. <laughs> oh man, that's gonna be that's gonna be not great. I'll take yeah, teams I, I don't want why. to see. <laughs> teams I don't want to play right now. Um, you've got uh, your Cleveland State's going to BYU, and then coming back. Uh, I think it's, it might be the Tijon Lucas revenge game. Yeah, at BYU and then turning back around to come home to play Ohio. That's some interesting scheduling there. Um, YSU is at Penn State and then at Southeast Missouri State. I don't know why they couldn't get that as a home game, but okay. Um, IUPUI is at Butler and at Evansville. Um, UIC is at Dayton and at Valpo. I would love to play Valpo right now. They can't even beat. They've lost two exhibition games to non-D1s. Oof, that's a fun one. I also just love when Valpo loses. Um (laughs) Detroit Mercy is at Wyoming and then at at Toledo again cross country for away games. Um, and uh, Milwaukee is at North Dakota and then they host Eastern Kentucky. Green Bay is hosting Indiana State and at Wisconsin. And if you ask some Green Bay fans, they know that that Indiana State's circled. That's why they didn't want anyone to know how they're doing this year. They're coming in secret at Indiana State, I guess. And then uh, Purdue Fort Wayne only has uh, Earlham coming in this week, and that, that's all that's on their docket. So that is your Horizon League schedule for the week. 
All right. I think we'll probably just end up writing those down and posting those on horizonroundtable.com in the future. I do have those as a a note, but yeah. That is a mouthful. (laughs) Hey, you know what? You can't say I didn't do a little bit of research before today's podcast. I actually put in that little bit of effort. I always expect that you do. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, you know, here we are. All right. All right. So that is going to wrap it up. Um, thank you all for joining us. Really appreciate it. Love the always love this time of year because you, um, it's, it's, we're, it's, but it's time. It's time to play for real now. So, uh, uh, as I as I alluded to, HorizonRoundTable.com is uh, where all our uh, back episodes and our podcast and our uh, written content is, which we're going to be probably kind of busy this week. Um, you can pull us up on wherever podcasts are found, where wherever you need to be, and of course you can uh, you can also pull us up on uh, your Amazon or Google devices. And the Horizon Roundtable is a part of the Roundtable Media Network. So next week we're going to have uh, Milwaukee legend Ed McCants on. So I'm looking forward to that. I want to talk about uh, his uh, previous experience and to also probably ask a bunch about Pat Baldwin Jr. too. So until then, thank you all for listening.